God's grace. Yep, I know. Give me a second. As you, I'm sure you're all familiar with God's grace. It's uh, in the Bible many, many times. It's in songs and hymns. And it's something that um, is in the reading that uh, Jason read for us before in Ephesians 2. Um, And also in uh, verse 8. And like I said before, all throughout the Bible, you uh, see references to God's grace. Um, Grace is the biblical term that refers to the unmerited favor of God toward men. It's God's free, undeserved love and assistance to humanity, especially in the relation to salvation and forgiveness of sins. Grace can describe the whole of God's activity toward men, or at least one aspect of it. In our text, which was just read by Jason, which is a very familiar passage in the Bible, I would dare to say that there are not many or any Bible Baptists that have not heard these words. Our God is the God of all grace because he is gracious and extends his grace, his unmerited favor toward us in so many different ways. I think perhaps there are a great many people in our world who feel like they deserve every good thing they get in life. But in reality, every good thing comes from the grace of God. Not because we deserve them or because we authored them. We shouldn't be deceived about our good gifts by saying we deserve them or by thinking we made them happen. The truth is, we all deserve hell because we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But because God is full of grace, he blesses us with good things and offers to us eternal life through faith in his Son. Earlier we heard the words, For by grace ye are saved through faith. Though we may not be able to remember the exact chapter and verse, we are familiar with these words. There have been Christians that have had uh, professions that have taken them away from their walk with the Lord. Whether it be some type of sport or perhaps a job in retail that takes away their opportunity to attend services on Sundays and Wednesdays, if they have services on Wednesday, they begin to devote all of their time to the things of this world. In the book of 1 John 2, 15 through 16, the Bible tells us, Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Because God is love, He is gracious enough to save us from our sins, which separate us from him. How has grace brought salvation to all men? His grace is in the person of Jesus, who became sin for us on the cross, so that in him we might be saved from our sins and become righteous in God's eyes. It's all about Jesus. He is the personification of God's salvation and God's grace. And God is not a respecter of persons. 
His salvation is offered to all mankind, but God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. Before, <clears throat> but before people can be saved, there must be a recognition of sin. People need to be broken over their sin before they ever look up, bow down, and lost my spot. Confess Christ, surrender to Him, and be saved from their sins. There should be both recognition of sin and repentance from sin, but many people don't think that they have sinned. Why? Because they've never been taught. They've never heard it preached like preachers used to preach. You won't hear it from any modern feel-good preachers, those who emphasize only trying to make you feel good, and the only way that people can ever really feel good about themselves is when they repent and get right with God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's grace is one of the most wonderful gifts a person could ever receive. We shouldn't be deceived about our good gifts by saying we deserve them or by thinking we made them happen. I think the truth is we all deserve hell because we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But because God is full of grace, he blesses us with good things and offers to us eternal life through faith in his son. Every believer, by definition, is familiar with the concept and reality of God's grace. When we speak of God's grace, we mean all the good gifts we enjoy freely in life. As humans, we are given a unique place in the created order. In the creation stories, God pronounces all creation, including humankind, very good, that is, full of God's grace. When we use the word graceful to describe a creature, it's because the creature is being expressive of God, of its God-given self. There is another way of speaking about grace that is more about redemption grace than creation. In theological terms, there are different types of grace, sustaining grace, saving grace, and sanctifying grace. Sustaining grace is the favor that God gives to all people. Generally, it is manifested in the way God takes care of all people by providing them sunshine, rain, shelter, food, government, laws, and resources, etc. Sustaining grace extends to every human alive. There is no doubt about the providence and sustenance of God, but it is certainly <clears throat> debatable whether these should be called grace. On the other hand, saving and sanctifying grace is that favor from God expressed as God's redemption activity in Christ Jesus. In Titus 2, 11 through 13, our Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should say, <clears throat> Live soberly, righteously, and godly. In this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious <clears throat> excuse me, appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Saving grace based on the is based on the 
upon the love of God manifested in the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. When I think of the grace of God, instead of, I think of steadfast love, compassion, mercy, a kind of unconditional acceptance that is unlike human love. Uh, Psalm 103 describes the way in which God reaches out to us with this forgiving, all-encompassing love. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfy who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. <clears throat> to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkeneth unto the voice of his world. word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, his ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It refers to the attribute of God's graciousness and actions wherein God was gracious, merciful, and kind. The other powerful illustration of grace is the way Jesus treated persons, accepting those who were considered outcasts by accepting them eating with them, healing them, listening, and talking with them. Paul uses the word grace as shorthand for the entire event of Jesus Christ and his ministry. When he says in Titus 2.11 that the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all men, grace is not a commodity or a substance. It is an action of God. Therefore, it, is, <clears throat> it has a result. Notice that only the grace of God brings salvation. The law, 
did not do it. Science does not do it. Psychology cannot do it. Humanism will not do it. And philosophy is unable to do it. None of these can save, but the grace of God evolved a method of saving men and women. In the word grace, grace stands for gift, the principle of grace. R stands for redemption, the purpose of grace. A stands for the access, the privilege of grace. C stands for character, the product of grace. And E stands for eternal life, the prospect of grace. Grace in simple terms is God's unmerited favor and supernatural enablement and empowerment for salvation and for daily sanctification. Grace is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. Grace is what everyone needs, what no one can what none can earn and what God alone can and does freely give. In the Bible, there are three distinctive meanings of grace. It means the mercy and active love of God. It means the winsome attractiveness of God. It means the strength of God to overcome. It is God's gratuitous favor in the scheme of redemption. Grace is the difference between man and God. God has the ability to forgive and forget. Man, on the other hand, has the ability to forgive in most cases, but not forget. Another difference is that God always forgives, while not all of us are capable of forgiveness. Grace is central in salvation, justification, declaration of righteousness, past tense salvation, as Paul explains to the saints at Ephesians, writing that in Ephesians 2.8, as we heard before, for by grace ye are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. There are numerous scriptural affirmations in the New Testament that link grace to Jesus. Redemptive grace Yes, redemptive grace is focused most clearly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, whom we call Christ, meaning the one chosen to deliver this particular grace. We might refer to Jesus as grace himself, as grace in the flesh, as grace walking around. The grace of Christ can inspire us in such a transformative way as to change our awareness of ourselves, of our potential as human beings and as humankind, and our awareness of God's gracious purpose for us and through us for all creation. Grace is the foundation and peace is the result. God is, or excuse me, grace is God's free, unmerited favor toward man. Peace is the result to those who respond to his grace. Our hearts are kept in peace as we realize that the favor, grace of God, is upon us. The Greek word for grace is cherish. It means undeserved favor, goodwill, loving kindness, unmerited divine assistance given to man for his regeneration or sanctification. Grace is God's love to us that causes God to give to us when there is no merit, but much demerit. 
We are under God's grace. He keeps us in grace. Grace is God's exertion of holy, merciful, and kind influence upon the souls of his people. The result is salvation. It is this saving grace that continues to work in you to bring you to where God wants you to be. The grace that saves us goes on to sanctify us in two ways. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly and godly in this present age. Grace, however, is not only God's provision for our new birth, salvation past, but it is his present provision for our daily daily salvation, present tense, salvation equals progressive sanctification, in which God's spirit progressively sets believers apart from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and unto God. In other words, if one defines grace by its salvation, grace is initially saving grace for a sinner, and subsequently it is sanctifying grace for a saint. Sanctifying grace provides the power for believers to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In Colossians 1 through 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Grace is the merciful kindness by which God and not 1 through 10, 110, excuse me, the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, love, and shows them how to keep his commandments and how to become more like Christ day by day. In other words, the grace of God is the merciful kindness of God and his blessing that turns people's heart to Christ and gives them the knowledge of how to change and conform to Jesus. In the Old Testament time, people were under the under the God's law. They could only make any possible effort to keep it and obey God, but they did not have truth in them with the ability to fully understand, or grace with the power to effectively change. Now we live in the New Testament time, and we are under a new covenant, thanks to Jesus, and we have both grace and truth through him. We have truth with the ability to fully understand, and grace with the power to effectively change. The indwelling grace that results in salvation also actively instructs you to turn from worldliness in this present age. God's indwelling grace is active through the Holy Spirit. It leads you and influences you. It brings change to you and within you. How amazing is that? Not only does God's grace save us, But if we embrace it, it will empower us to say no to the bad things of this world. That is the freeing power of grace. Through grace, we can be set free from the things that haunt our past. Addictions, abuse, neglect, anger, pain, suffering, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it is. In the grace of Jesus Christ, we can be set free. 
Jesus died to set each and every one of us free. And we have to lean into that grace and onto that grace to sustain us. When Jesus rose from the dead with all power and authority, all systems of disgrace were defeated and the spirit of grace was released and pronounced victorious. In Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, the Bible says, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which we cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. With the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, we can leave our problems with him. In the song, I Must Tell Jesus, the words tell us to leave our troubles with him. <clears throat> if you would, um, pick up your blue hymnals and turn with me to page 117. Thank you much. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever cares and cares for his own. Excuse me. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver, make of my troubles quickly an end. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, he all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world the victory to win. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. 
I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. That's, um, that's a song from when the first time I heard it, um, every once in a while I would find myself singing it or reminding myself that um, Jesus is there to help me with my problems. I can leave my problems with Jesus and my troubles and let him take care of them. If anybody can, Jesus can take care of them much better than I would be able to, at least. And it's a, it gives you a sense of peace, knowing that you can lean on the Lord Jesus, tell him your troubles, and he knows, what, he knows what's bothering you, and he also knows how best to get you through your troubles. It also makes me think of uh, something that someone said, that if God brings you to it, Jesus will get you through it. And that's another thing that gives me peace in uh, times of trouble. And um, when things are coming, like maybe perhaps hurricanes, or when um, that was especially true back in 2008, when uh, the economy went totally crazy, uh, everybody got carried away with giving away money and uh, to people that couldn't have any way or shape or form of paying it back and um, everything collapsed, as you all know. And um, But Jesus got us through it all, and so did our wonderful God. <clears throat> anyway, law and its basic of works must be contrasted with grace and its basis of faith. As we read in Romans 9.32, Paul explains this uh, contrast in Romans 11.6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. <clears throat> but if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? When grace is operative in the believer, life, there will be obedience resulting in righteousness. That is a brief overview of Romans 6.16. Scripture teaches one can fear God and tremble at his word so as to find favor in his sight. Uh, that's Isaiah 6.66 verse 2, which in the Bible you will find four things which always characterize the grace of God. The grace of God is eternal. We find uh, this in 2 Timothy, um, verse 1, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Then God, the grace of God, is free. We read uh, Romans 3, verse 24. I'll give you a moment to get there.
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, stay in Romans uh, because we're going to go back a little bit to Romans 3.21. Salvation and eternal life is the gift of God. God's grace offers salvation as a free gift to all who put their faith in his son, Christ Jesus. Romans 6.23 states that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But like any gift, it must be received. Have you by faith received God's gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord? In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, uh, it says, more, I didn't have that on the page, I'm sorry. Uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and rose again the third day also according to the scriptures. Now the grace of God is sovereign. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait a minute. Okay, maybe I had that in there twice. Anyway, uh, the grace of God is sovereign, as we read in Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. When the, <clears throat> when the Bible declares that grace is sovereign, it is declaring that God is gracious to whom he will be gracious. Romans 9, 11 through 18 says humility is the, or basically broken down, humility is the only soil in which the graces root. The lack of humility is a sufficient explanation of every defect and failure. Also, the grace of God is distinguishing uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? God's grace in the Bible many is in the Bible many times as it should be. This, along with the eternal salvation, is one of the most wonderful things that God can give us. We all know we deserve to burn in the lake of fire for all eternity for our sins. For God absolutely abhors sin. That is to say, he has an extreme dislike for it. But through grace and the good pleasure of his will, we are given these most wonderful gifts that cost us next to nothing. We only need to devote some time each day to prayer, confessing our sins, and having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to receive these awesome gifts. Who gave his only son for the chosen so that we could have eternal life? God. Who singled us out from before the foundation of the world? God. Who is it? <clears throat> Who is it through that we have an imputed righteousness that the Father only sees in us because of his sacrifice, the Lord Jesus, our God? Who seeks us out, convicts us, 
brings us to repentance and faith through the Lord Jesus, God, who has the perfect plan for our lives, who gives us so many things because of the good pleasure of his will, God, who gives us this most beautiful world with its many wonders, who brought Christians to the land of plenty so they could be freed from religious persecution, God, who answers prayers, gives us gifts day after day, year after year, God. We don't deserve anything to, <clears throat> we don't do anything to deserve all these wonderful things that God gives to us, and yet he gives them to us anyway. We run around whining and complaining about petty things that bother us when we should be concentrating on the fantastic gifts of our most gracious God. We should praise his mighty name above all others instead of looking on the things of this world. First Peter 2, 9 says, oh, it's already there, already there. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <clears throat> it never ceases to amaze me all of the wonderful things that you find in the Bible that God gives to us. Who, who gives up their, their only son so that a bunch of people so undeserving as us uh, can have eternal life through him? Um, I, I don't think there's anybody, there's only one person in the Bible or in the past that I can think of that was willing to give up his son, and that was Abram. Uh, he was going to sacrifice his son, and he proved to God that he really believed in him and he trusted in him, and thusly God stopped him from sacrificing his son. Um, the Lord our God is, is just amazing, all of the wonderful things he gives to us. Um, we pray to him, he gives us peace, he gives us um uh, imputed righteousness through uh, his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit indwells in us and um, helps lead us through our lives. And it's just um, it just amazes me all the time, the wonderful things that God does for us. And we're so undeserving of them. Um, anyway, that's uh, what I have for you this this week. I appreciate your attentiveness. Um, also, um, I would like to thank you all for listening to me. I'm glad, Jason, that you could be with us again. And um, speaking of which, if you would lead us in our closing prayer, please. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace that you've given all of us. Thank you for setting us all free. Thank you for carrying brothers and sisters that are in your house once again, that you give them heavenly wishes back to their house and be with us the rest of the week and bring us back to the next point in time. And God, I continue to pray for the people in Israel as we're still in war. Pray that those that are being persecuted because they're Christians, I pray for their families 
Amen. Amen. Thank you.